0: How do you go from being an expert inside an insurance company to owning and operating your own insurtech company? Today's lessons from Max Drucker, CEO at Carpe Data, span a period of over 25 years where he worked in the nascent and tech industry to create and exit his first commercial enterprise and then did a hard pivot of his second company into what today's Carpe Data has become. His lessons include moments of hard choice and being completely transparent with your employee, as well as being about the small things to change diversity inclusion and what it means in the year 2020 and beyond. creating a feeling that the company cares about you. And that's something that I take great pride in and I I really try to focus on. It's those little things that make people feel like the company actually cares about what they're doing.
1: All right, great. So pleased to be here today with Max Drucker. He's the CEO at Carpe Data. And so welcome, Max.
0: It's great to be here. Thanks a lot.
1: So let's jump right into it. Could you maybe walk us through your kind of career background a bit and how you got into entrepreneurship into the CEO seat at Carpe?
0: Sure. So my my first job out of college was to do quality assurance, to do QA on what was a failed operating system project at Apple that they had called Copeland. And I got recruited to become a part of eCoverage, which was the first online auto insurance carrier. eCoverage ended up blowing up into um, brilliant glory. However, out of that, I started a a core systems, an insurance core systems company to do uh, basically policy administration really on the internet. And that company was called Steel Card. And so that was how I really became became an entrepreneur was coming out of that uh, dot-com experience and realizing maybe I didn't quite have the skill set or the background to start an insurance company, but... An insurance software company was was much more um, representative of my background at that time, ultimately built SteelCard into a company that I sold to ChoicePoint. So uh, I've been effectively in this world of insurance technology my career. And I then decided it was time to get back at it. And uh, I started this entity um, 10 years ago and really building this out uh,
1: now. So in terms of how your business does fit into that insure tech landscape and does you know provide value as these carriers and other industry players are digitizing. Can you give us a little bit more information on where you sit?
0: Well, our, our business model has changed quite a lot. And so when we started this company, it was called Social Intelligence, and that was in 2010. And our mission was, was, was very broad. We wanted to leverage social media for uh, employment screening, and that ultimately grew into leveraging social media for government investigations government clearance investigations and expanded into insurance fraud investigations so that's as we started we started again very broadly wanting to use really new alternative data that being social data social media and we really found the employment business to be a challenge and and ultimately we determined that the greatest opportunity and the greatest leverage was in insurance, in the insurance policy lifecycle. So we ultimately spun off the social intelligence business um, and sold off the government business and made a pretty hard pivot and in relaunch into Carpe Data in 2016. Carpe Data, we provide uh, the data elements to, to really make automation possible. Um, I'll give examples. But one of the ways I really look at is the transformation that happened with auto insurance over the last few decades in which auto insurance used to be manually underwritten, like so much of insurance still is today, yet data products made it possible for insurers to build rules and build logic around given outcomes and be able to fully automate. And so where we see our role, it's we're providing whatever those equivalent data elements are for the given product or flow. So we have a number of new products across the small commercial process that enable the classification, the risk selection, the uh, segmentation of businesses to enable more automation. We also have products across the claim life cycle that enable the right decisioning so claims can get paid more quickly and, and claims can be resolved faster. So it's really been quite a journey for us. And since that, that move and being able to focus entirely on one industry, obviously a very big industry, it's been super exciting and our growth has been um, tremendous.
1: Were there particular things you did in building your leadership team to sort of try to build that resilience into the team in terms of your organizational design um, in this business?
0: I mean, I, I think that there's really a lot of luck that's gone into it. And also, too, maybe is that um, for the management team, we didn't really feel like we had a lot of choice because the, the other side of not succeeding was so ugly that it really created a certain amount of this could be a really, really lot. There's a lot of bad outcomes that, that, that would happen, having not been able to pull up, pull around or really be able to focus and really build that business. What's what's super important, and, and we talk about corporate resiliency, and I think across the spectrum, it's about having that transparency and being direct and honest with the entire team and by saying listen we had a really bad quarter or we're spending more than we thought we would or this blew up or that blew up by creating that trust uh, when things can get rough um, I think people are a lot more inclined to put the effort in and feel like they're really a part of something and we're all the same team and really try to reinforce this mantra, right, of we are all on the same team. We don't have different um, incentives. So we break apart any sort of concept of silos. It's, it's really about uh, unifying everybody's collective incentives and goals and uh, excitement for the company by getting on the same, same page. And I, and I really think that that has been effective for us is by being very transparent and, and just really saying look this is what this is this is the presentation we gave to our board there's really nothing secret about what we're doing and i think that really goes a long way towards
1: corporate resiliency you know is there anything you're using as kind of a roadmap to help support this forward thinking
0: uh, i mean our, our cadence we really do it around our board meetings which are quarterly so what we do is we do a board meeting and then we do an all hands meeting a week later where we basically take the board content and put that into the all hands meeting and then throw whatever things there so I'm a huge believer in marking points in time. That's why I really like having the board meetings. Because I like having the board presentations and then having the the matching all hands presentations that, that can be there. And after every meeting, we say these are the four or five things that we're working on as a company. And so we're collective there. But people really seem to like that.
1: So you know, obviously, I, I work in recruitment, and so talent is my area of focus. But there are other elements that, that make up corporate resilience. So is there other uh, areas of the business that you feel are you know, critical to corporate resilience and that you've invested in?
0: Well, you know, I think sometimes it's really about the small things. And, and I really like to think about the word proactive, right? Is, is you want to anticipate doing things before people have to ask for them. When all the various protests began, right, and the various technology companies across the country were all issuing some kind of a statement or saying something like this and that, um, I, I really felt like I wanted to do something that was meaningful and that was authentic. And, you know, another letter to my customers or employees or whatever else that was somewhat generic or that hadn't really been thought through all the way, um, I, I didn't really think was the right approach. So we really want to take a step back and say, okay, now it's time we're over 100 employees. It's time we grow up as a company. Um, what can we do? And while acknowledging that, that diversity and inclusion is very different than what was going on with the protest, it was really a catalyst to have us take a step back and let's really think holistically across the organization. How can we, you know, what can we do? And then we sent out a survey and asked the various employees, were they interested in participating? And there was a, it was an overwhelming, this is great. We're really excited to be involved and this is all things that we can do. Now, now one initiative that we did incorporate and that we just launched was a diversity and inclusion um, committee and group. And we hired an external firm, firm as well. And that has been a, a very, very successful of, I mean, our engagement, I think about 40% of our employees are, are actually engaged in the actual process, you know, by by choice that, that, that are doing that. And um, we're really taking this opportunity to really dig into a lot of um, these types of issues that the company in some areas has done very well in, but in other areas has, you know, could do a lot better in. Our representation in, in senior management um we don't have enough uh, women in senior management in the company, and that's an area that we really are, are pushing for as well. So, it, 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 and, and we, we want to really make sure that we're representing our local landscape. This was uh, this was something that was very that, that was obviously coming, in, but we wanted to really think about it and be proactive and say, look to the company, this is something that we're thinking about doing. Um, but we're also working on things on, on recruiting at the school level. Um, and that's an area I know a lot of other companies are talking about, but there are schools that are are traditionally uh, focused on underrepresented minorities and um, us recruiting and, and creating programs within those schools is an area to sort of get to the source a little bit better. And that's an area that we've really begun and we're, we're really um, excited about as well. Um, also, I think that um, an area it's about also creating roles to to meet the skill sets of certain applicants if you don't it's not about necessarily trying to say we need to have this exact position and so people must feed this this background we can say well this is you know we're looking for a broader area and we can sort of create roles that will make the company better you know one thing that has come out of this that we felt before going into this but we feel even even stronger is that everybody 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 agrees that having more diverse input and ideas will make the company better, right? It will make us uh, a more efficient, more profitable, um, faster moving, all the things we want companies to be. And so if that means creating roles that we hadn't necessarily thought about before, that's all part of it, right? It, it, it's all about having perspectives you wouldn't have otherwise. When, when the room is just everybody looks like you, you'll basically think the same way too. And so the, the role creation aspect of it is a newer thing for me, but that seems to be really be working as well
1: all right great well i've think taken enough of your time today i really appreciate it max you know great stuff and uh congrats on your progress and i wish you continued success and you know obviously stay safe great you
0: too uh thanks a lot that was a lot of fun